What's up, everybody? This is our podcast, Get Happy, with your hosts, Coach Heather and Cassie. You can follow both of us on TikTok. I am Coach Heather904, and Cassie is little.bo.blacksheep, uh, again, on TikTok. And on our podcast, Get Happy, we talk about trauma, we talk about recovery, we talk about hopeful, helpful healing, we talk about addictions, and maybe behaviors that don't serve us anymore, and all of those things combined in ways that we as neurodivergent people can press forward into the world and just be our best selves. That's really what we're here for. So one thing in becoming friends with Cassie and being on this spiritual healing journey with her that's how we became friends actually we met on tiktok and cassie has always been very vocal about things that matter to her such as um she is biracial so she talks about her struggles and her challenges and um like rewriting uh, scripts and things and i was personally inspired by cassie um one by her perseverance through her struggles and two because of the things that she teaches me and rewriting these new narratives like i didn't realize how covertly racist and narcissist I was until becoming friends with Cassie so I just think she's a great person to really be friends with to elevate um who you are as a person but anyways so in getting to know Cassie she brought up something called a trauma door and one one podcast episode we were just kind of talking about Cassie's struggles and things that she's been through and the other the other guy that was on that podcast with us that day we were like damn that's some good shit Cassie like because Cassie was talking about like oh my trauma doors got thorns on it and it's got chains looking like that uh, hokey pokey thing from matilda the choky yeah the choky thing from from matilda like that's what our trauma door looks like and if you open it you know there's like a lot of things behind that trauma door that could maybe even possibly kill you because if you think about some old people that's why they're stuck in their ways because their trauma door is vaulted it's it's shut they can't open it even if they did open it they might have a heart attack so the dude from saw actually designed and decorated their trauma room so every single box is a death trap of accountability yeah yeah that was a really good analogy to think about the guy from saw and that it it reminded me of uh, instantly when you said that i thought about that one guy who wanted to kill himself so he woke up in a barbed wire room and he was like you're (laughs) gonna yeah he was like you he was like you were slitting your wrist he's like now you're gonna have to Split your wrist to get out of here, you know? So. I don't mean the lap. <laughs> That's just the trauma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We always, yeah, people with trauma, definitely with our dark humor, like people scratch their head at the things that we find funny. But if you only knew what we had to get through, okay, all you can do yeah, is sorry. okay. So Cassie, tell us more about the trauma door and uh, where you came up with this and your ideas behind it and why people, like why it's so hard for people to open that door. So I saw a TikTok where it was a guy in a, like it was a little character in a hallway and he's opening doors and he opens the one and he looks in and he sees like a caricature of himself and he's, you feel how heavy it is. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh. Uh uh-uh, and he closes the door. And that kind of, for me, I was like, I wonder what mine looks like. 
that. Hmm. I don't know. And so then it, I realized that like I had already gone through my trauma door. I've already done that. And there's a lot of boxes. Like it's, there's a horde in there. There's a horde. But in order to even get in, you have to push past the exterior of the door, which has barbed wire. Some of them have spikes. Some of them have, um, let's see, some of them have caution tape. So it's not so hard to get in. And I, I feel like that's the inner child. Like to get in the door, the little girl has the key. And so I had to get in touch with her and I got in and it's, it's a horde of broken promises and missed events and sad Christmases and mother wounds and father wounds and sexual assault wounds and shitty friend wounds and shitty lover wounds. And it just, it's all in there and you have to go through and you have to basically like cleaning out a garage. You have to go in, you have to see what's in there. You have to open the boxes and you have to discard and rearrange as necessary. And then that got me thinking about like my mother's trauma door. My mother was forged in the image of Satan. She is a horrible person. And I know that opening mine, sorting through mine, taking accountability, admitting the places where I have been the villain or have caused harm, it hurts. It's very painful. It's very painful. And so thinking about my mother's where she's willfully and purposely caused harm to everyone around her, hers is probably electrified. It would kill her to even get through it, if that makes sense. So, and hers on top of that, there are boxes, there are landmines, there are bombs, there are admissions that she'd have to make. So that is the trauma door. Yeah, whenever I think about my trauma door and then I think about my mom's trauma door, um, like mine was pretty bad. And one thing that you stated in our last podcast episode um, that I'm able to relate to this one is that whenever I first got sober for for people who are listening who may not know this about me, um, I stopped drinking alcohol over five years ago um, and I was definitely an alcoholic and was um deep into alcoholism and I went to AA every single day for 180 days um because they said that you should do a 90 and 90 which means go to 90 meetings in 90 days and they were like if you don't go to 90 meetings in 90 days you will drink and you will die damn dude and I was so scared of drinking and dying again that I did 180 in 180 instead of doing 90 and 90 because I wanted to be sure that I wasn't going to drink and die again. That, that just gave, that is giving very much Jesus vibes. That is like the, the fear of the condemnation, the hell. It's the same thing. It's the same it thing. And it, it doesn't it, is. it doesn't attack the root the root of why you're that's the whole fucking problem, bro. Mm-hmm. Is and that we are out here. Day. Yeah, we're we're out here hacking at the leaves when and nobody's worried about the root. Going to meetings or trying to not go to hell, they're that you're ignoring why are you afraid to go to hell? Why why are you drinking? 
Yeah, not, like what does it's, hell look like for you? Are you actually afraid of burning? Or are you afraid that you're gonna be stuck with your mom for all of eternity? And that would actually be worse than hell itself. I would, yeah, no, I would, I heard a girl say, I would rather deep fry my nipples. And that is, yes, spend <laughs> hell with my mother. Mm. Anywho, oh but no, it's literally, it's it, telling you that you're gonna drink and die is, it, it's giving you're going to hell. And it does not address why you are drinking. Yeah, because I was going to say that um, the reason um, that I was drinking and and, uh, doing all of that, what was behind my trauma door is like my family. But whenever I was doing all that, doing the 90 and 90, the 180 and 180, all I was focused on was not drinking like you said. It wasn't until I quit going to AA and then... I didn't have like, so maybe I switched my drinking for the meetings, right? Well, then you take away the meetings. The people in AA, though, will tell you that this is untreated alcoholism. But I did all the stuff that they told me to do, so I knew it wasn't untreated alcoholism. It wasn't until my sister died and I was put... I was around my family again (laughs) that I realized that I was like, I've just been trying to be... Uh, I've been trying to please my family. I didn't do anything going to right. 90, 90 and 180 and all this. Like, I literally <laughs> just, yeah, you're like, la- yeah. I don't know. mean to laugh, but you're like, I got around my family. And you're like, this, this is why I drink. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, what? The- it literally took five years. Yeah. Somebody's dying. Like, thousands of AA meetings and all it took was for me to just muster the energy and it's so funny because when I was I'm so glad you're laughing because it is funny I just kept thinking if I go to enough meetings if I just find the right sponsor if I just am sober long enough eventually my family is going to accept me or I'm going to have the mental capacity to understand that they don't accept me, but they still accept, like I can accept that they don't accept me and still be a part of the family. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's literally the insanity that most of us were like, yeah, I'm not gonna do this. And so the scapegoats and the black sheeps got the fuck out of Dodge, whereas the golden children are still doing that. Yeah. Like if I change everything about who I am and do exactly what they tell me, they will love me. No, they need you exactly the way you are so they can use you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like, and I was so conditioned that way that actually like, and I think I might've told you this, so sorry if I'm being a little bit redundant, but when my sister died and I was at her funeral, her dad was like, well, maybe a good thing can come out of this. He's like, maybe now we can restore our relationship. He was like, after all, he was like, I did all this for you. And he's like, you were the golden child. He's like, we were so we were so close, Heather. I didn't even realize he was triangulating me in that moment at my sister's funeral, you know, because he was like, you know, saying, oh, remember, I did all this for you and I loved you. But he didn't he did not bring up like shoving my face in the dirt, making me drive him around when he was drunk, calling me a slut, calling me a cunt like he didn't bring up any of that like he he, well, he didn't remember he doesn't that's not part of yeah, his he doesn't remember. yeah i was like 
I was like, I literally named my son after you. And uh, because I thought, because you said you wanted me to abort him. So I thought if I named him after you, you would still love him. And he was like, I never said that. I would never say to abort a baby. That's against my religion. I'm like, you don't even have religion. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, um, it sounds like your sister was the identified patient. She was the sick, mentally unstable one with the drugs and the stuff yeah, and the yeah, he yeah, was trying was. to put he was literally trying to transition you into that role. That daughter is gone. So now that all the shit that he had for her, the smoke he had for her, he needed a new place to put it. Mm-hmm. And I almost, Cassie, if if I if I if we were not talking about opening up this trauma door, I would have just inserted myself right there, and that would be the cycle that I'm in. But, but you would have been her, and you I drink, would've. so you were getting set up to relapse and be that drunk, unstable, shit, shitty, boo boo mess that everybody's used to, because they need you like that. Yeah, and just think, like I would have signed up for that because I was lit because I literally was thinking oh I went to AA I got sober and it, like I said the insanity was telling me eventually I need to do all this so my family will accept me again and I almost mm -hmm. went right back to it but I just I don't know I just opened up I don't know why I got so lucky really I just decided to do this work and open up the trauma door and realize like you said the reason that I drink is because my family traumatized me mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean it's so my, like, I'm trying to say 11 things at once if you look at my sister and I we were raised completely differently right I was raised in abject horror she was overshowered with love we're seven years apart and once you get to a certain, she's, she, I changed. I started to unpack my shit and realized that I was traumatizing my own kids and there was all the stuff and you go into, you know, you start to heal. My sister's not chosen to do that. It's a choice at this point. It is a choice to be a shitty person and live in your deflection and live in your projection. That is a choice. And so you got to the point and I got to the point and a lot of us got to the point where it's, I can't do this. I literally, I will die if I continue on this path. I am not this person that I was told. And that was one of my mantras for about a year. I am not the person they told me that I was. I am not the person that they made me out to be. I am all of these things. And that's why they needed me to be those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that, you know, like in opening up the trauma door where some of our bad behaviors might come from is because we were told that we like, for example, if I'm told that I'm fat, I'm eventually going to believe that I'm fat and I'm probably going to partake in behaviors that make people fat. I'm probably going to not exercise. I'm probably going to eat junk food, you know, um, and or, or so real fast. Not everybody's fat because there's a thing called atypical anorexia where like you're overweight and you're still having an eating disorder. Um, a lot of our families with the weight thing, it's rooted in fat phobia because they themselves are heavy and they hate themselves. If that makes sense. I didn't mean to cut you off, but oh, I just wanted to. 
yeah, I'm glad you did. And yeah, you're right. Um, I just, that was just the first thing that came to my mind. Um, um, but you know, like, yeah, if you're, I'm going to, I know for me, like I was, I was always told that I was chubby and stuff as a kid. So I would eat little Debbie cakes and you, you know, so like, that's just I think how human beings are like you're told that this is how you are this is what you do so as a child you pick up those behaviors but then as an adult you get older now you're overweight or if if that was the thing that you were dealing with or maybe you're anorexic you went the other way like you don't like you have a bad relationship with foods now you're not eating at all or maybe you're just a mean person because you've always been told that you're problematic so you're like okay well you think i'm problematic so i'm gonna be problematic like that's what you want me to be so fucking badly you know and then people who might always problematic like they're angry so they have inflammatory type issues maybe they have uh uh i don't eczema or i'm just thinking of like things that are caused by chronic inflammation yeah yeah yeah. so you you, they might have it and it's like your body keeps the score uh which by the way is um uh our book study that we're doing but anyways um your body keeps the score and it's just crazy how your body will literally manifest physical symptoms of whatever it is (laughs) you're going through um you know so uh and that for me you know has been like well what's causing my hypothyroidism what's causing my ulcerative colitis and for me like i have to think about what causes me to be in like that gut-wrenching state and um and one thing i've talked about a lot that i feel horrible about is like I, like gossiping and just being fake you know like not saying how i truly feel um or like when people are uh, un- like I, I know I shared on this a little bit in the last episode, um, so I'll just share a little bit on this. But one thing that the universe has been testing me with is whenever I get around other people and they share opinions that are different than mine and they're kind of misogynistic, I'm like, should I say something or should I just keep my mouth shut? You know, always, and, always yeah. say something. What do you mean by that? Thank you. Yeah. And I, yeah, you shared, like, we're going to say, what do you mean by that? Um, like for example, a few months ago, uh, I, I actually let me backtrack a little bit more. I would say like a year ago, uh, my husband's really into football, and I would overhear some of his football friends being like, "Oh my God, that's so stupid that the Native Americans don't want us to have them as their mascot anymore." I, like everybody gets so offended by everything these days, and then my husband's friends will go on to be like, "Oh my God, I know, right? Like non-binary people, blah blah blah, and whatever fat people, blah blah blah, like." black people blah 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 you know just saying how they're all offended and i in in situations when i'm in that situation i'm like but all of those people's feelings matter like why shouldn't they not like wouldn't you get offended if somebody was just like 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 y'all get offended when we say cracker i'm just saying that's racism apparently that's not racism Cracker yeah. don't get nobody lynched. Don't get offended when people say happy holidays <laughs> instead of Merry Christmas. Because not everybody subscribes to the shit you subscribe to. Yeah. And so I that just came to me in my mind. And I and um I actually didn't remember what the Native Americans said about why they were actually offended of of that. 
So I didn't say anything, but that's just stuck out to me because I know that they were offended by that. And there was reason, like good reason, but I couldn't remember. And that's just one thing I felt bad. Like I didn't like stick up for Native. I'm like, actually, you shouldn't be making fun of them. Like there's, I, I, I can't, yeah, again, I can't. Literally, we violated every single treaty that we've given them. We've taken all of their land and we gaslight them about it while shitting on their practices and then turning around and asking them to maintain the land that you didn't listen to them so now it's burning i'm just saying i'm just saying land back i'm just saying yeah, yeah no no see yeah i wish i would have said that but i couldn't think of what to say that was so Girl, smart because <laughs> your mind went blank because your mind went blank see ties into yep. the last episode it's because when yep. you, it's they will throw a fit i just watched a video of a man saying like this happened with him and his family physically assaulted him, threw his stuff into the yard and said, get the fuck out of my house, I'm not racist. While simultaneously being hella racist. Like it, it's, your mind went blank. <laughs> your mind went blank. Yeah, yeah, mom, yeah, in that moment, yeah. I think the person that was talking was very smart, so I wanted, uh, I wanted to seem as smart as they were. I should have just been like, dude, that's fucked up. Shut up. I mean, as dude, dude, this is the, we are in the find out era of the fuck around and find out. So just, yeah, say, because you and I, we've talked, we betray ourselves in conversations because we're still hypervigilant about other people's feelings. And if they're not, if they don't give a shit about whoever they're offending is feeling, I just, I don't have it for you anymore. Like, Google's free. There's tons of people offering the education. You just don't want it. So I'm going to, what do you mean by that? Expeditiously. Add expeditiously in there. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Or what are your intentions? Mm -hmm. I like that one too. What are your intentions behind that? Were you, mm -hmm. were you intending to offend me or were you intending to educate me? <laughs> I like that one too. Was that intended to be educational? Because no. Because uh -huh. no. <laughs> My friend used to say so much stupid and this is and this was her response to everybody because she she was she's been a leftist since we were kids. And me and her have gotten in arguments where I was being like right wingy and saying like, well, if you go to jail, you shouldn't expect to have tampons. And she's like, I love you, but you're the worst person right now. Like, are you serious? Like, so anyways, she would say so much stupid stuff all the time and shake her head and walk away. Like, yeah. I'm not arguing with you, sir. Your friend, would, you know, your friend would do that when you said stupid stuff? To anybody. To literally, she said it to me. She has said it. She has said it to everybody in our friend group. Like so much stupid stuff all the time. No. Good day. And like just because when you're arguing with people like that, they're committed. They don't want the education, and they're committed to misunderstanding you. Y yeah, they are. Yeah, th yeah. I feel like once you try to be right and not try to. Like once your main purpose is to be right in a conversation and not for understanding, you've just totally missed the whole conversation. Walk straight into the point and let it go right over your head. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it doesn't matter what they say, you're not gonna you're not gonna jive with it probably. And the correlation to the trauma door is those people, I'm willing to bet that if you looked in their trauma room warehouse building whatever you're gonna find where nobody listened to them as kids 
nobody heard them, nobody validated them, and that is why they're out here. Because remember how you used to be loudest mouthpiece there was in the wrong situations. That's me, for example, maybe not you, but me. Um, and the people that are out here just spouting wrong information, they, their brains didn't develop correctly. They're, most of them are lead poison, but they are trying to be seen and heard. And it's like a lot of those type of people, any attention is good attention because again, if you look in the trauma door, you'll probably find neglect as well. And mm-hmm. so that's why they're out here just blah, 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 see me, hear me. And good, all attention is good attention. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just like how they say there's no such thing as bad pu- publicity, um, which I'm not saying I agree or disagree. There, there is. There um, is. I just happened to think of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. while you were saying that is some people just really want attention. Um mm-hmm. And I can say for me, that's definitely true because yeah, like no one paid attention to me growing up. So as an adult, and even now I'm like, well, people are going to pay attention to me now. But if you're going to do that, you might as well say stuff that's correct. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to be out here being a loud ass mouthpiece, we need those. But don't be out here doing what your friend was doing. Like, no, so much stupid stuff all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. With useful words. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're and actually that brings me to our next question because here we are talking about pry and open this trauma door, right? Which if you once you open the once you open the door, you can't go back. You know, like <laughs> once you see what you've been doing, you know, you can't unsee it. It's like trying to turn a cucumber back or a pickle back into a cucumber. You can't. Yeah. So if, now, and if you choose to, your shitty behavior is now a choice. Exactly. So what can we do now that we've opened up the door? And I love how you brought up a spiritual toolbox. So I'm going to just, uh, we could talk about some, uh, I'm going to list some things that work for me. And then you can list some things that work for you. And we could talk about those things. So this yeah. is what worked for me. Uh, like I said, I've been on this spiritual journey since January of this year. Uh, so that's really when I decided to uh, deconstruct and change my way of living. So some things that I have found that's helped me in opening my trauma door and the things that traumatize me and uh, trying to stop those old bad behaviors is mindful meditation. They have a lot of different free apps for that. Um, I I kind of like using YouTube the best. You can just find mm-hmm. like internet mindful. You could, if you're having anxiety, you can literally just go to YouTube and type in mindful me- meditation anxiety and just listen to what they say. Also, not- guided meditation gives you yeah. some pretty good mindful and guided. Both are really yeah. good ways to because yeah. Yeah, guided meditation is really good too. And again, um, you, I'm sure there's other apps for that, but YouTube is always great. Heather, why don't we make a playlist? Yeah, we should. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, we should make Not a playlist. Yeah, okay. So we'll make a playlist for that. And um, another thing that's really helpful, and in the book that we're reading in our book study, which um, this is not a podcast about our book study, but we do talk about that in other episodes if you want to listen, is yoga. So, and soft tissue massage. 
so you could do that yourself or you can actually go get a massage but yoga and massage uh our trauma gets trapped inside of our body so uh that's why like if you stretch especially in people's like groin areas uh and like maybe in their shoulders that's where trauma likes to get like uh stuck and that's why people get sore there so it's good for you to do yoga and move your body um and what was the other thing i said i'm sorry just lost my train of thought I felt, I felt like- massage Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massage. Thank you. So to get all of that trudge and trauma and just however the ickiness of that is getting stuck in your body, you want to move it around. Mm-hmm. That's by the way, trauma usually gets trapped in your psoas muscle, which runs along your groin and kind of up into your stomach. And that houses your roots and sacral. And I believe the solar plexus, it houses all of those. That's your power center, your creativity, your sexuality and your feelings of safety. And so when you're doing the yoga and the squats and the things like that, that you can have emotional reactions just to doing a squat because you accidentally unrooted something that you didn't, like a stuck piece of trauma in your groin. And then in the shoulders, that's your heart space. That's grief. Yep. Yeah, because I did, uh, I know I'm gonna say this wrong. Kundalini. Kundalini, thank you. I did Kundalini yoga last week, and like three of the girls that did it with me, they were crying at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's your life force. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And like for where I grew up at, like that's just crazy to me to think that my feelings were literally stuck inside my body. Like that's not a metaphor. That's not a myth. That's a real thing. literal fact. Yeah, you it's know, a real, true, literal, physical fact. Mm-hmm. When my oldest, because again, we're all neurodivergent and he's struggling with big feelings right now, when he gets super angry because we struggle with transitions and think there's certain things that cause him to just put a 10 on a two immediately. Part of his calm down is I will have him shake his body and shake his hands. And I'm like, any of the mad, any of the mad bro, shake it out. Or if he is feeling more constricted, he'll squeeze my hands as hard as he can. And I'm like, put it all right here. And I use my left hand because that's your receiving hand because I can take his energy, transmute it and give it back to him in love. So that's, that's a little bit of like our parenting practice here because I do not want him. His anger is big anger. Like my anger was big anger, you know? And so I don't want it to live in him and him have to do the same types of numbing and escapism that you and I did. I don't want that for them, you know? Yeah, I don't want that for them either. And thank you for sharing that because I didn't know that your left hand is your receiving hand. And um, if you study yeah, if you study yoga, I know all that stuff's kind of correlated. Like you have a fee, mm-hmm. like the the lady giving the 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 yoga session. She was saying like you have like don't quote me on this, but like your right side of your body is your feministic side, and your left side is your masculine side, and like these different sides of our bodies have different strengths and different things that it can do. So all of that's correlated. So what you just said, like re- your receiving hand and how you can transform that into love, like that that's all real true things. Like I, I the reason I say that is because I just would have like I don't know like six months ago I just would have heard that information and not thought anything of it but it it really is that technical 
Mm-hmm. So the way that I learned it, and I always mix up the left and the right, is that your left is your feminine side, and that is the side on which you receive, think girls have lady parts, internal. And then the right side is your masculine side, and that is your, uh, your doing like your get shit done. And a lot of girls live in their masculine because living in your feminine is like basically giving up your keys to the matrix as it were, and just relying on the universe to take care of you while you do the work you're supposed to do. Um, Also your left is your mother wound. Your right is your father wound. And so, um, and each, all of it corresponds with different chakras, which is where you find like, for me, I have a lot of neck problems, which is, your throat space and your heart space. That's where all of my pain is and it's on both sides. But it flares up depending on what I'm working on. So if I'm touching the mother wound, the left side goes off. I've been dealing with daddy lately. So my right side is actually killing me right now. But so yeah, it is an interesting practice. And when we're doing yoga, we want to make sure that we're doing, like you said, it was an, a Hindi woman that was doing yours. We want to make sure we're getting the information from the correct sources. So like, bravo to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Make sure that you're not drink, doing those white people yoga classes where they drink wine and, and stretch at the same time, because I'm not saying like I have anything against people who drink alcohol, but it's literally a neurotoxin and, and it's cultural appropriation at the same time. Yeah, because yoga is trying to get toxins out, but you're literally putting toxins in. So that doesn't make any sense to drink while you're doing yoga. That is definitely cultural appropriation. So thank you for saying that. Um, Yeah. The next one that I do every morning is I do a gratitude journal. Um, or just I write a paid page of gratitude um, and the reason that I do that every morning is when your body is in a state of gratitude that sets off the highest amount of electromagnetic waves that your body can um, produce and when your body is in that state Uh, that's when your chronic inflammation goes down and when your inflammation goes down that's when diseases go down because as we as we know um, people in America uh, who are sick with chronic illness that's caused 97% of that is caused by just the chronic inflammation due to stress environment and diet so when we can um, obtain like that state of gratitude, we, we're putting our body in its best setting that it can be in. Whereas the lowest vibrational um, uh, waves that uh, or emotions that people can go through is shame, regret, uh, resentfulness, uh, remorse. Like those are all the very low vibrational yeah. things. Yeah. So being in a state of gratitude is really good. And then also, um, I mean, this is just common knowledge, but um, your body is 75% water. So every morning I do a morning elixir, which all that is, is warm water, a little bit of pink Himalayan salt um, and a little bit of lemon. Um, And just the the lemon acts as like, um, it kind of like detoxifies my body. And then the salt um, helps your body keep some of that water and it kind of like re-alkalizes your body so it's like giving your body a nice warm bath which you know 
we we talk about like uh bathing and spiritual bathing this is like an internal bathing so that's important if your body's internally um uh aggravated and then also oh oh yeah exercise which kind of goes into yoga um just be careful with exercising because people with trauma can use exercise as like a replacement for drinking so just make sure that if you're using exercise like you're doing it to better your life not as a replacement for your um your old behaviors that part yeah don't go. Don't crazy. take your rage out on the gym work out the rage and then go to the gym yeah exactly because then you know all you're doing is like every time you're upset you're going to the gym which don't get me wrong that's not a bad idea but then like like me like i have ran and ran like forrest gump like until my joints are hurting so that tells me that i didn't actually deal with my problem uh i just i i, I just switched behavior mm-hmm. And that's actually a slightly self-harming behavior if you're gonna go work out until you hurt yourself. So I mean, yeah, it is, and that yeah, it really sucks because it's like, okay, well, I was like, I couldn't drink anymore, so now I'll go to AA meetings. Well, I quit going to AA meetings, so then I was like, well, now okay, I'll be a marathon runner. Well, now my joints hurt. I can't be a marathon runner anymore. And it's like, okay, Heather, you're kind of running out of like these little projects to do. Like you might just actually have to deal with what's inside. <laughs> you might have to sit with yourself for a little while there, friend. Yep. And uh, another thing that's really good uh, now that we're talking about this uh, is learning new skills. So when we get stuck in that same thought pattern, those same toxic behaviors, uh, something that can elevate you out of that is learning new skills. But again, you have to be careful with that because I was like, okay, well, I don't know how to run. So I'm going to learn how to run. And it was really hard and it took a lot of mental energy, but so did all the energy that I was putting into drinking. So, um, it's where it's good to learn new skills. Um, just be careful and, and intentional with how you're learning these new skills. So something I'm doing currently is I've just been trying to spend five minutes a day, teaching myself how to draw uh because i've always been doodling so i was like maybe i can do something with this um and i'm just trying to distract myself less with like my phone and things like that but i'm just really bad at i'm also i'm trying to learn how to watch tv again and just sit with myself like that's a new skill i don't know how to just sit there silence is terrifying dude because your brain starts going yeah yeah like literally i can sit there for about one or two minutes and then my brain's like you need to wash the dishes you need to uh, or you need to go put your shoes on the shoe rack you need to put food in the kroger app to order for 36 hours from now and i'm like why is my brain like this do i am do i have been so this is partially racial but it's also trauma so first of all, um, in the black community, rest is rebellion, considering that we are the descendants of chattel slavery. So weighing our bodies down is a is an, an act of rebellion. So that is one way I'm standing in solidarity with that community. But also, like you said, when you lay down, you think of all the things, all the things you need to do, all the things you're not doing. Like, bro, I was supposed to be working on something and I cleaned my house instead. Like, yeah. But, um, 
the way that I've trained myself and this I've done this with other people as well is you have to directly defy yourself because you're sitting here like I have to do this I have to do this I'm gonna get in trouble I'm gonna be this you have to actively sit there and be like no one's gonna be mad if the dishes don't get done yep. nobody's gonna be upset that like because for me I have this like overwhelming fear of CPS coming to take my kids I don't know why I'm working on it in therapy but I literally am like you have to clean this you have to make sure the house perfectly spotless all what CPS is not going to knock on your door right now girl you don't have to wash the girl you're a little behind on the laundry it's cool and so sitting and actively like fly swatting the thoughts as they come and like being gentle like if no one's coming no one is coming it's okay to sit here it's okay to rest so mine is kind of twofold so you've been giving yourself like some very kind and gentle self-coaching yes as because and i'll force myself to sit there for an hour or two i made myself actually binge watch a season of riverdale recently and like i had to sit i, had, I made sure the living room was picked up but i sat there for as long as it took to watch that and without beating myself up i'm so glad that we're talking about this because who would have thought that a 30 year old and a 37 year old would have such a hard time watching one hour of television show and like i think i hear other people complain like they watch too much tv and i'm like how i'm like how do you sit there for seven hours and binge watch some i wish the same I way you sit on tiktok but i can't the same way i sit on that long either i can I guess if I, I guess if I was like, like in a really bad headspace and wanted to disassociate, I could, but yeah, like, I feel like my, my attention span will be like, oh my God, I, I, like exactly. you need to go do this. That girl, yes. And also when you're neurodivergent, that adds a little bit of spice to it because again, you do these things, you actually like gaslight slash hack yourself into like doing the things you don't want to do by putting off the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 I'm still doing something. I'll do it right before it's time. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I've been having that that struggle with um, like learning uh, how you and I have been learning all this technical stuff behind the scenes. That our followers don't know what we're talking about. So I find myself like trying to do like things I need to do instead of that because it's it's hard for me to, to do. So um, yeah, I can definitely say where I've like picked up some uh, uh, procrastination and like that's <laughs> comes from we're supposed to be working on patreon i'm gonna go ahead and clean out my basement what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. supposed to write this entire thing i'm actually gonna go cut mine and my neighbor's grass cool, <laughs> yes. cool. Oh, that's so funny it's uh, rough dude it's rough to have trauma neurodivergence and it's it's rough it's rough it is rough, but I'm glad we're talking about it because it explains a lot to me and why I am the way that I am. Because it's like, I want to do these things. I need to do these things, but I'm cleaning my basement instead. Why? It, uh, because you don't want to do the thing. Like, 
last night I did everything I was supposed to do and then I sat down and did the thing I was actually supposed to do. I was just like, okay, cool. Because there's nothing else left for you to do. Now you have to do the thing. And by that point, I wanted to do it. So lucky for me. But like, it's, it's hard out here when your brain is developed kind of funny because you had yeah. crazy caretakers. Yeah, it is really hard out here. I know yesterday my anxiety was really bad. And so my old narrative was like, oh, let's just go lay in bed and do nothing, which is funny because we were talking about that in our last podcast episode. But my spiritual toolbox was like, are you sure that's what you really want to do? Do you really just want to? Because I was like, you said that you were going to do X, Y, Z today. You didn't say you were going to lay in bed all day. And I was like, is that really what you want to do? Like, because those are the old narratives that you wrote yourself. So I actually, even though I had anxiety, I um, was like, no, I don't want to self-sabotage today. Uh, so I forced myself to do some things and that did feel really good at the end of it to be like, I could have laid in bed and let my anxiety win, but I didn't. So, and that all comes back from opening up the trauma door, like having spiritual toolbox things inside, like things that you can do in place of that. Cause you have to have the self-awareness because I didn't even know what self-sabotaging was. So how could I, if I didn't open up that door to begin with, how could I know I was a self-sabotaging person or having those behaviors but since I opened up that door I realized oh I'm self-sabotaging right now and then like you said once you open the door it becomes a choice do I want to continue to self-sabotage or do I want to rewrite new narratives and that does really suck like and uh yesterday um I told my son that we would decorate for fall and go to Walmart and buy some stuff to make fall snacks and everything in my anxiety was fighting me. I did because I was like, now I have to go to Walmart and see people. Mm -hmm. I hate going to the store as an autistic going to the store is wretched. It's It's so wretched. You can hear everything and the lights are really loud and all the conversations and the plastic crinkling and the checkout and the babies and it's too much. Yeah, and and everybody like wants to ask how you're doing. That's the thing that gets me at Walmart is they're like, hey, how are you doing? And they're literally asking me in the middle of the aisle where people are coming and going. I'm like, don't ask me about how I'm doing when there's literally like 50 other people coming and going. Them honestly, and they'll get really uncomfortable and stop talking. Dude, I'm telling you, when I went for my MRI, he's like, what brings you in? I'm like, my mother treated me as a rag doll when I was a child. Now my spine's fucked up. And he, he's like, okay. And then he didn't have nothing. He had nothing but the questions he was supposed to ask me. There was no more small talk. There was no more. I was a, I was a beaten child. Like, that is so true. And I am definitely one of those people too, who will answer your, uh, your question literally. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, well, today's my sister's anniversary. So I'm pretty depressed. You should say, literally, just be like, well, I'm looking for my 13th reason. How are you? Looking for my 13th reason. How are you? Hanging off the ledge. What? What? And then oh they're very... <laughs> Do you want to hear something funny, Cassie? Last week, um, they were... My son was at school, and he said that they all... Like, the teacher was like... I don't know. They were all talking or something, and the teacher was like, stand up and say the pledge. Um, you should be proud that we live in a free country. Stand up and say the pledge. And my 
my son said he stood up and, and he said, why? He said, why should I put my hand over my heart and say this pledge and be happy that I live in a free country? He said, can you tell me one thing in this country that's free? And I will. And he said that the teacher got pissed, I'm sure. No, he said she didn't get pissed. She just looked at him and was like, I'm sorry, but I can't think of anything in this country that's not free. You have a point. Ooh. Ooh. I'm gonna go ahead and sit back down. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes, because you should be proud, mom. You should be proud. Dude, I was so proud because I did that same thing in the eighth grade and my teacher called my my dad and I got in big trouble. I got grounded for like two years for that. So I was like, hey. we are moving as a country. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's real fast. There was another creator who is multiracial, biracial, and they were learning about indigenous people and she was like discovered. This is like second, maybe third grade, I think, discovered. This line wasn't discovered. White people came and like murdered and tortured everyone and stole the land. Like what? And there's a, she had, her mom had to have a parent-teacher conference where her mom brought her own teaching certificate and was like, I know what you have to teach. Shut your mouth. And you know what? That makes me happy too, that my son is biracial. So that, I don't know, that makes me a little bit, a little extra happy that he wasn't like a white kid saying that he was a biracial kid. Yeah. Like, this country is fucking free. This country sucks. And I don't, and people get such cognitive dissonance when you like ask them to confront their beliefs when they're not correct. People just, what? Like it, it angers teachers when, but I used to get in trouble all the time it angers teachers when children question them. Yeah, I was a little nervous when my son told me that because I, I was afraid that he was going to say he got in trouble for saying that. But he said that the teacher just looked at him like kind of oh. confused and was like, you're right. <laughs> like inflation sucks. Considering the state you're in, take that as a win. Uh, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now hell yeah. military vets can be teachers and shit. Like, just yeah, anybody in Florida can be a teacher. You just have to have a bachelor's degree and they ask you to take an exam within three years. But yeah, you you can just have any teaching degree and be a teacher. Well, no, there's. I thought there was new legislation that said that like the wives of military spouses were allowed to be teachers. It wouldn't surprise that, that, me. Might be yeah, no, like if you have military service, you are allowed to be a teacher. And your wife, by extension, as long as you, it's a small certification, I think, and then you can be a teacher. I don't even know if they need certification. We'll have they're to look so at it. short on teachers in Florida. It's not even funny. And they're short on bus drivers. Like, nobody wants to work for the state out here. It's it's horrible. Why would you, girl? Yeah, I'm yeah. It's yeah, yeah. your state, but why would you want Yeah, I have no idea why anybody would want to... Uh, to work for the state or be a bus driver because it's like it's like the wild wild west out there you know it's just like uh, that sound actually perfectly captures what it is <laughs> that sound is it <laughs> the sound you just made that uh, is what's going on yeah that is what's going on in florida for the people that have brain cells uh, yeah no it, it is because it's like it's these crazy like left-wing like radical evangelist right wing right wing event evangelist evangelicalist even i think it's yeah. evangelist. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why I got out because, you know, I taught kindergarten for four years and all they did when I was in there was make me test the children. And if you don't send your kid to preschool, uh, then once they get into kindergarten, they're expected to know how to read at five years old. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Yeah, and they shouldn't be. Uh, and if they're not, if they don't, if you don't send your kids, basically, if you don't conform your child to this whitewashed way of living, then they're going to be behind. And then if they get behind, then they're going to need an IEP. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being behind or having an IEP, but then that IEP follows you for your, the rest of your school life. And then you, like you need the teacher to do like to teach you this way but the teachers are overworked and underpaid so how can they promise you that 100% of the time that they're going to teach your child the way that they need to be taught they can't because look at me Cassie I love children I would never ever hurt a child ever like you know what type of person I am <laughs> do you know how horrible that made me feel that I couldn't as much as I love children I couldn't teach I couldn't I, I couldn't do, be the teacher that they needed me to be because the only ones who are going to public school are like like these Karens that have these outrageous expectations or they're they're people who don't have any resources at all so they're just depending on the state to to help them <laughs> and like there's not enough resources you know so even the best teachers they can't do anything like even if they truly love your child with more well i saw a teacher that got a 20 dollars supply budget that was she shared it on tiktok she's like they gave me 21 dollars to buy school supplies it's true yes yeah they only gave me for the entire school year like 200 dollars for the for for 36 weeks $200 dollar store dollar store that's all you can that's why that's why the dollar store has so many school classroom decorations oh Mm -hmm. my god Mm -hmm. oh my god when when I was teaching I had to choose between buying my my students Christmas presents or my own kid Christmas Mm -hmm. presents I'm not surprised yeah, they expect you to give your students presents. And I want to, but I literally couldn't. But, mm, that, that's not a thing in California. That is actually kind of weird because that is, it, 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 it makes them feel entitled. And they expect, because what if they get to the next grade and that's not offered? You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of, to, to make the teacher buy presents on their own, that's insane. Yeah, it was insane, like, what they expected. Like, I had to throw party. Like, we, I did this Q and U wedding where, you know, the letter Q gets married to the letter U. And it was really cute and it was fun. But I had to do, like, parties like that once a week. Do you know I expect? Just that was $100. So, literally, it like, having my it, my job costs more. It costs uh, more to have my job. Like, yeah. so, it, it, and then... So to put somebody in that situation where they're literally having to pay to have a job and then you mm-hmm. have to pay for daycare, you have to pay for gas, you have to pay for rent, mortgage, bills, yeah. food, yeah. clothing, yeah. utilities, phones, internet. How can somebody like that truly care about your child and their needs at school? 
you they know? can't, but a lot of the people that are teachers should not be teachers. A, a lot of the people that, that are teachers, honestly, should go and open their trauma doors and a bottle and just go deal with that because a lot of them are, you are the exception to that. Most teachers are just Karens and they yeah, want they to control are. and subjugate rooms full of tiny children. Yeah, because they were told probably when they were little, oh, you're a white woman. The only thing that you're good for is being a teacher or a nurse. So then or they go, a wife. Yeah, or a wife. So then they go to teaching or nursing and then they go into, you know, and then if they're a teacher, then they say, oh, those kids should just know better. And then if they're a sick person, then they're like, well, it's their fault that they're sick. You know, like no compassion with because... Like I said, the people who are working these jobs are, have their hands tied behind their back or they just had terrible upbringing. And now, yes. yeah, or now they're passing it on to children in public schools um, or passing it on to the sick people if they're a nurse. But just going back to the school. So now also you have correction officers, the, the pipeline for nurse, teacher and correctional officer from Mean Girl is real. It's as real as the school to prison and foster care to prison pipelines. It is it's facts. Yeah, it is facts. And we could have a whole nother podcast episode yeah. about that. And I tell you, as someone who worked in the public school system, it's true. They use the reason that those, those, uh, state mandatory tests are mandatory is because they use that information uh, the uh, the prisons fund them for that the they send the, all the the test scores to prisons and prisons say oh we had 10 out of or we had three out of 10 not pass here's 30 here's three thousand dollars for those kids that we know aren't gonna pass you know what i mean basically they're putting down insurance policies on them to make sure they turn into criminals yes yeah Be, oh. and, and, and they need the criminals to work the, the whatever jobs that they have criminals work. Because I, I know that there's like a whole that's whole uh, like a whole slave trade in itself. I I don't really know all of the jobs that prisoners work, but I know like they like they, they make a lot of clothing for large companies. They do a lot of landscaping. They fight fires for free in California. They make license plates. They yeah. There's a lot of it's chattel slavery again just you're imprisoned so indentured yeah. servitude without consent yeah and instead of learning skills to be rehabilitated they're doing shit like that like hard labor work for fucking for free and you, you know like they're it's like 19 cents a day it's like 19 yeah. i was just reading that a guy that like he did labor and it, he saved every penny because it either goes to commissary or to money that you'll have on the books when you get out and he, all the work he did for like two years, he didn't even have $2,000 saved up <clears throat> from having, you know, long ass days <clears throat> doing really like strenuous, tedious labor, not even $2,000, two years. Yeah. And that's why these statements, that's why it's mandatory for kids to take tests. So they, everything that you just said, so that they have like, are aware of how much money they need to make and have for the beds and everything so that they can have someone making license plates for 19 cents a day. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why the system is so fucked up. Bro, burn it to the ground and start over. Agreed. But uh, I think we did a really great job <laughs> talking about uh, the trauma door and all of the spiritual toolboxes uh, or the things that is in our spiritual toolbox. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that maybe we forgot? 
Yes, I do want to say that if you are in the middle of a panic attack, I learned this on TikTok, but it was an idea for something else and it worked for me to like not be in a panic attack, is if you are freaking out, look around the room and imagine how your tongue intuitively knows what everything feels like, the textures of everything feels like. So if you look around the room and you like quiz yourself on, I wonder what that would taste like. I wonder what that would feel like. It pulls you into the present moment and you have to like focus on your tongue because like, you know, that a textured wall is going to be textured. You know, that something outside that's just sitting there is probably going to be dirty. Like, and it, it's a mind trick that really, really works. And it was just a guy sharing a random fact, but it actually helped me like recenter myself when I was panicking. Oh, I love that. When you first shared that with me, I thought that that was so like, uh, I never thought of that before. I was like, wow, Same. I've never thought about how I know. I literally know how everything that I look at with my eyes, I know what it tastes like in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And what the texture would be like if you licked a tree, you know, it wouldn't be smooth. Yeah, and I guess that just comes from when we were babies and put everything in our mouth. So I just like I never thought of that. And also, I wanted to add, uh, if you're having a panic attack, cold exposure can help mm -hmm. uh, can help you as well. You could, so you could maybe go get in your car and sit in front of the AC, or if you have uh, access to ice, uh, if you have an ice box in your house, just put an ice cube in your hand and squeeze it, and that can help. Uh, present and anchor you back into the oh, I, I said that backward anchor you into the present moment yep and then cold showers and also one thing that works for me because I lived in a place without a yard is gardening because you're putting yeah. your hands in the earth and it, it grounds you like you're not only in the earth giving it things but you're harvesting and you're thanking the earth for the things like when I harvested my little melons I was like thanks like you didn't have to grow those seeds. I appreciate it. So yeah, gardening is, and then also on a slightly like spiritually witchy tip, the plants that you cannot grow are the plants that like their meanings you need to look at. Like I can't grow lavender and that's like a, a scent of peace and relaxation. And I've been tried again, but I've killed three lavender plants. My other garden is flourishing. I've killed three lavender plants. And so I had to look it up and be like, let me work on those things. Let me. And that started the rest and relaxation. Because of that. <laughs> hmm? I said gardening is so therapeutic in so many different ways. Like mm -hmm. what you just said. And then if you think about like with the weeds, you know how weeds grow through anything. And if you don't pull them out all the way at the source, you know, like they'll just grow back, you know. Mm -hmm. so it's and so then also caring for and mending sick and or dying plants when start when the leaves or a stem or an offshoot starts to rot you because it's it's taking energy that the plant needs to survive and you can translate that to your body if you want to you have to cut off the sickness and the rot because there is not enough energy to sustain their death and your life they're just eating energy at that point so like when I tend my plants, I like talk to them and say like, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll leave it right here for a minute. You can say your goodbyes, but like, yeah. I love that. Um, after last week, uh, my sister's tree, uh, after my sister passed away, some of my friends gave me a magnolia tree, a baby one. 
and I planted it and I didn't water it every day during the summer like I should have because I was really depressed. So some parts of the tree turned black and I was afraid for about two weeks that the tree was going to die actually but I would uh it started to rain a lot and some of the trees started to come back to life and I was like yay and uh, I was like I can't let this tree die this is my sister so I I broke off the black parts of the tree um that the heat had killed and I kid you not the next and I'm looking at the tree as I say this the next week it, it started to bloom for the first time and I'm looking at it now and it has so many freaking flowers on it and I'm, like, and I'm like wow like as soon as I like just took the black part off it just and just started and it gave it extra water it just bloomed take off the rot you got to cut off the rot yeah that is our trauma that's yep. literally dumping the boxes you can relate it to gardening it's the same thing because both of them take up space take up valuable energy that's right and I think that's a great place to leave off here thank you so much yeah, I think so too. Thank you so much for another wonderful episode. We will see you guys next week uh, uh, for chapter three, I believe. Again, I just want to say uh, we didn't talk about our book study in this podcast, but if you want to follow our book study, I'll link the, the, uh, the link to that in the description of this podcast video. We're going to meet on October the 4th and talk about chapter three of The Body Keeps the Score. But thank y'all for listening. Let us know in the comments if you like what we're talking about, anything that we maybe left out or want to hear more of. We love to hear your feedback and we wish everybody a wonderful week and uh, accomplish all your goals and stay safe out there. Thank you.